0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Carrie Faith on Purpose show, where we put your health and happiness as our number one priority. I'm your host, Carrie Faith. And I'll be sharing a weekly dose of inspiration and motivation to create your masterpiece called Life. I believe that with faith and inspired action, anything and everything is possible. And when you combine it with purpose, there is absolutely no limit to your success. I share my own personal struggles and triumphs while exposing global perspectives about happiness, health, and well-being. We combine talks around spirituality, psychology, and self-development to align your mind, body, and soul. Together, we connect, create, and transform from the inside out. Grab yourself a cup of coffee, tea, or if you're anything like me, a glass of water, or perhaps even some champagne while we carry faith on purpose together. Hello and welcome to the Carry Faith on Purpose podcast. I am excited, honored, humbled to have Selena Belazan with us today. She is an entrepreneur, an investor, turned knowledge broker, guide, child advocate, Tony Robbins, master coach, and conscious parenting advocate and educator. Selena specializes in consciousness and skills in emotional fitness in both adults and children. Her passion is taking research-based wisdom, transformational tools, and cutting-edge technology and transforming them into relatable and digestible learning modules. Thank you, Selena, for being on the Carrie Faith On Purpose podcast. And so I want to kind of dive into how you teach people and help people through that process of mindset and even like awareness.
1: Sure. Okay. So my background is in business. So I used to work for... Uh, a lot of different companies in an operational role as a consultant and as an investor or, or mentor or founder, but in all these different roles, what we do with companies often is we come in and we take inventory, right? That's the first thing anyone does. They go and they see what's working, what's not working. They talk to all the employees. They get a really good picture of what is happening because only when we have a really good blueprint of what exists, Can we then go in and figure out how to make change? Mm. What's interesting and what I found was when it comes to ourselves, we don't have that process. We don't have a way to see what is actually happening because we're never really taught what is actually happening. And then when we want to make a change, we end up trying to change the the symptom of the root problem. And that's why you see people going through life putting out fires and having these cycles of, you know, things are good. Well, I finally broke my pattern. Everything's different. And then something happens, and you realize you're doing the exact same thing with just a different type of outward, you know, representation of what is really happening. So, you and I have talked about how awareness is the key and it really is because it's the 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 act of becoming aware is everything but there's one extra piece to it because with Personal development, you know, 1.0, what have you, we've all become so freaking aware. We all know all everything that's wrong with us. I mean, we could write the book, we've been to therapists, we journal, we do all those things, but there's this whole other part that we're not even, that we don't even have access to, which are all the unconscious drivers, all of the, you know, limiting beliefs that are very entrenched in there that you don't even know are actually running the show. And so yes, yeah, so the first step is to not just be aware of what we see and what we've always seen, but to understand those other layers from both a you know, from neuroscience perspective and a consciousness perspective.
0: That's so true because I, when I meet people like at dinner parties or in the past, you know, in social events, I would say that, you know, I work in mindset and people would say, oh yeah, mindfulness. I love mindfulness, but there is a difference between mindfulness and actually what you do after you are mindful. So people don't really know a lot about this thing called like our mind and how it works, how we can optimize it with our habits and not just being aware, but it's like, what's the next step? What is that blueprint? Like you're saying, and I love how you went from that more corporate environment and organizational development where now it's like, that is the framework for our lives. So, how would you define mindset as different than mindfulness?
1: So, mindset to me, if you want to know what your mindset is, look at your life, look at your business, look at your relationships. That is what your mindset is. Mm. Mindfulness is the act of being mindful, it's the act of you know, being present and conscious in your actions. So to, mindfulness is a way to a bulletproof mindset. It's also a way to be more conscious, but it's the practice of, of, of moving along that continuum of, you know, good mindset or more conscious or, uh, you know, more happy You know, it it just depends on how you are, you know, how you are. It's like, if you want to get strong, right? If you want your body to be strong, you can go to the gym, you can go for a run, you can eat better. There are all these different paths and maybe you need all of them. Maybe you don't. Mindfulness is one of those.
0: So I love that you brought up um, limiting beliefs before, because I feel like this term limiting beliefs is like being brought up a lot. But how do people even know limiting beliefs? Like, how can we define more broad uh, adjectives to, quote, limiting beliefs? Because I almost feel like whether someone is aware of limiting beliefs or not, it can almost put up this guard (laughs) That oh my gosh I don't want to go there like this protection of your limiting beliefs I don't know if I'm making any sense you're making perfect
1: sense you're, you're you're making absolute perfect sense and that's where you know both you and I get so deep in what is actually happening in your mind when that happens and so as you know I love to talk about the ego because I think it really helps people to. Personify these different roles that come in when you are not in an optimal state. And so, you know, limiting beliefs is such a tricky thing because, in order for something to be a limiting belief, you have to, by definition, believe that it is true. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, how can you change something that you know to be true? Because if it's a belief, you know it to be true. But when we understand things, From another perspective of what happens when we go into lower self, false self, uh, you know, whatever school of thought helps you think of that, lizard brain, when we go tap into that area, what happens is our brain has a job the job of the brain is to keep you alive the job of the brain is to keep you alive by doing things that it knows that you will be safe doing and what it knows is what's familiar and what's familiar is that limiting belief so if we can learn to recognize when we are when we are going into ego when we are going into false self when we are going into not our optimal self then we don't actually need to know what the limiting belief is to start to retrain our patterns because the indicator that we are going into that, that place, which is suboptimal by any, you know, by any definition is not necessarily what the belief is. It's, it's the state that we're in. It's the way that we feel. It's the way that we are reacting. It's the way that we are triggered. That is the indicator. And so that is the moment where that's the inflection point where I teach people how to, reprogram in those moments, how to make decisions in those moments to actually create fundamental lasting change.
0: And how do we actually create fundamental long lasting change? I mean, obviously it's like not a one stop fix, right? Um, But what do you think is like the biggest contributor to Understanding triggers, thoughts,
1: and feelings. What do I think is the biggest contributor? Like what's the biggest, uh, okay. I don't think I asked that question right.
0: Like how how can we actually be aware of these triggers or aware of the thoughts or the feelings or that we're protecting our own beliefs? Okay, okay. So would it just be to work with a coach, someone like you or me, or, um, or is it actually something that you know a listener can be like, oh my gosh, I might be triggered, I might be protecting my own limiting beliefs.
1: Yes, a hundred percent. So part of what I, would what I feel like I have to contribute to this of thought to this field is, number one, it's teaching people to do it for themselves. Mm -hmm. And number two, it's teaching coaches to add this layer for their clientele, because everyone knows what to do in theory. You know, you can work with someone and do, or, or you can have 10 years of therapy and you can do, understand and unpack and all of these different things But when you are in the thick of it none of it seems to apply. And so I do think there's that missing component. So for somebody that's listening and doesn't have a coach and doesn't, or maybe has a coach, but does not, most coaches are not as obsessed with this piece as I am, because for me, this was the linchpin that helped me bring it all together. And not just, you know, the Tony Robbins and the consciousness, uh, the consciousness coaching, but also had a, how to manage people and how to connect with people and talk to people and be strategic with conflict and be strategic with my energy and all of those different aspects of what you need in order to function and thrive in life and in business. And so for someone that's listening that wants to start to do this, it's actually not that hard. It's actually quite simple. And the trick is to start to be aware In a methodical way. So I like to take things and like put them in step by step. So start to be very aware in a very methodical way. And you will see how freaking predictable we really are. Mm. So it's not a mystery. I mean, we could probably right now talk about the five things that, you know, our blood boils pretty fast or the five things that we wish we acted differently about. And we start to just really, really, really hone in on what those are and once we know what those are we don't actually need to know what caused them but what we need to do is be aware ahead of time so that the second that starts to happen which you know for example if you freak out on your kids every single day when they fight guess what tomorrow you're going to freak out on your kids when they fight okay if you procrastinate every time you open facebook yes you will procrastinate and it's not uh it's not a question of just turning off facebook it's about in those moments using those moments to teach yourself how to make a decision of where you want to live where you want to where you want to start to fortify a new pattern rather than the ones that have been dictating the last 30 years of your life
0: yeah we're all just whether we like to admit it or not, like we're all running on um, these patterns, right? The subconscious makes decisions for us before we can even make the decisions mentally. I think there's a study out that has shown um brain waves and how it shows in our brain the decision we're gonna make before we even actually consciously decide. And to just understand that our subconscious is doing everything for us. Wow. Like 97%
1: of the time, right? Right. Right. And see what you just said is actually the, is actually, if you could think about things in that, in that way, that your brain makes a decision before you can have conscious thought. And that is, what people don't seem to understand they're relying on the parts of their brain that are not available to them at the time that they need those parts available in order to you know do the framework uh, practice the whatever they did on their meditation retreat the way that you get better at that sure All of those things really, really help with getting rid of the crap that is underlying unconsciously and causing all of that. But it doesn't actually give you the way to make your life the mat, to make your triggers the mat. It's go away, use the parts of your brain, hope it all sinks in, come back, and hope it all plays out.
0: So what type of habits do you feel like are the best way to... Optimize our minds because I know that you work with entrepreneurs and um, and parents to to help those habits and reprogram those habits. Is there like one or two that you could share with me? Because I know I'm running on patterns. Like one of them is that I procrastinate on my laundry. I hate the laundry. It's really been like creeping up on me because it just piles up. It piles up, and I'm like why am I procrastinating on this to the point where I have no clothes? (laughs) My kids have no clothes where it's just so much easier. If I just do that, like, you know, get in the habit of doing it every Monday or doing it every Sunday. It's like, it's even as simple as that. I feel like that can transfer to like, even that more complex things that we're not aware of.
1: Right. So the laundry and things like that are actually an interesting one because I, I agree. We all know we should do the freaking laundry. We all know that if we, if we set a day, I mean, do you know how many schedules I've made for you know laundry day and you know uh, shopping day? I don't go, mine is I don't go to the grocery store. I will literally wait until there is nothing in that fridge until I have to go again. Why do I do that? When I go in, I'm like, this is no big deal. I should just do that. So all of the productivity experts and so many different habits you know it's very much oriented on an outside in approach you know so like you set a schedule and you have a accountability partner and you make yourself do it and if you don't there's uh, you associate some negative outcome with it and and what I do is a little bit differently because it's not so much about the laundry it's not so much about me going grocery shopping but it's more about me perpetually letting that part of reaction overtake the part of me that is able to consistently get what I want, okay? So I wouldn't suggest that someone starts with the one thing that is so freaking obvious. Instead, I would suggest with finding the small things that you are constantly letting your ego overtake because what that does is it silences your powerful self. You know, it silences your higher self. It silences the part of your brain that knows exactly what it should be doing because we're so not used to going there. We're just so used to whichever way the wind blows. Whichever you know, if, if we feel like doing laundry, we do laundry. If we feel like um, taking a cold shower at five a.m., we take a cold shower. I mean, how many people come home from Tony Robbins events and do a morning routine for a couple of weeks and then it wears off because those have to be from you and you have to work that muscle and then make it stronger because when it doesn't come from you and an aligned part of you, then it's just one more plastered on you know, layer of... Obligations, shoulds. And what that does is it feeds the, the blame, the shame, the part again, the part of you that makes it so important that your ego will come in and help you, that your amygdala will ring, and next thing you know, you're in freeze mode, fight, flight, or freeze. You know, so so freeze is one of those emotional responses. For whatever reason, your ego thinks that you're in trouble and you can't do laundry and doesn't want you to do laundry. It's like, you know what? You don't, you should not, you've worked so hard today. Why doesn't anyone else? Just don't do it. You know, just don't, you know, you, you deserve better. You know? And that doesn't serve you. So it's the, the, the key is being able to see where you are and where you go and stop it before. So with laundry, maybe you would say, okay, you feel that come on. Like no freaking way! I'm doing laundry today. You know, it's okay. I, I can you know I can wash this little like stain part here. It just doesn't smell. I haven't worked out in a year. Like I'm not going to smell. Um, and you can then give yourself you know a time limit where you're like, okay, I'm going to indulge this part of me for a certain amount of time, and then I am going to decide one thing. You know, and what I help people with is you got to decide it now. Like when we're talking about it, can't decide when you're sitting there having a conversation with your ego about whether or not to do laundry. You, know, you have to decide right now. So maybe for you, the one thing that you will do is put one thing, literally one thing in the laundry machine. It doesn't even need to be something that you're going to wash. It doesn't, it's just giving yourself an action that is so simple and so stupid, but it comes from the thinking, planning, genius part of you. And even though in those moments it might not be accessible because you've already planned it and because you already know exactly what you're going to do, you can go straight into that. And what that does is it basically circumvents the ego from coming in in the first place. So you're not saying, shh, you're an idiot. I'm not listening to you. You're just doing your next action. So you're going into action, which as we've discussed before stimulates a totally different part of your brain. And you slowly come right back online. The amygdala chills out and you're able to use your prefrontal cortex again and start to create a new pathway. That's so much wisdom that you
0: just (laughs) shared, I feel like. So what really stood out to me is like that thinking when you have that thought, just take action on it because how many times like throughout the day, whether it's laundry or doing something that is uncomfortable to move, you know, my business to the next level or even approaching a conversation that's uncomfortable or reaching out to someone. It's like, how many times do we think about that stuff or working out? And then we just ignore it and like shove it away. Right. Right and then don't do anything. So it's integrating that thought with the action and just letting go of the feeling around it, I think. So for the listeners, because I know you have a big background in so many different areas, but um, I wanna kind of just provide um, knowledge around the different parts of the brain because I don't really talk about that a lot. So can you share the three different parts of the brain so we can understand that more, the thinking and then the emotional and then the what we refer to or what you refer to as a lizard brain?
1: Okay. So I actually, I don't explain it so much in that way because what I think is really important is to just understand that you have a part of your brain that is very primitive. Okay. It's what we're all born with and it's, Purpose in life is to get us food, keep us alive, you know, reproduce, and you know, and that is all we have access to when we are first born. And what happens during that time is that we're having all these experiences. We're having all of these different uh, responses to how we act. We're looking out to the world to figure out who we are, mm-hmm. but because we're looking out to the world that has layers and layers and layers and layers of their own lives, crap, agendas, limiting beliefs, what have you, we don't actually see who we are. We see through their lens who we are. And so we have all these different types of almost like agreements that happen. So in our mind and a very important part starts to develop called the ego. Okay. In, in Eastern wisdom or Eastern consciousness, they speak about the ego in a different way than Freud did. Mm -hmm. So I'm speaking about it in the way that Eastern wisdom does, in which that it is a very important part because it keeps you alive. It keeps you and not alive, like you're going to eat, but it teaches you how to fit in into the world that you're living in. So rather than people reflecting you, you start to reflect all the different things that you see. And so what happens there is that we have all these different causes and effects that we put together. So, you know, uh if 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 you have a sibling that is always making your mom cry, you might decide, "Oh, I'm never ever 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 going to make my mother cry." If you have, you know, somebody that is really if your family's really 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 polite and all about service, you might Decide that's the way to be, and what and you see some of those are great attributes, and some of those are not. But because our brains don't have the ability at that time, we literally don't have the cognitive ability to integrate what is, you know, what is, ha- what is the real root cause with what is not. So if somebody treats you a certain way, you assume it's because of what you were just doing. You go show someone a piece of art, and they're in a bad mood and slam the door. You're like, oh, art is not for me, or what have you. Um, so while that really, really does help you, what happens is as we grow older, we end up playing these roles, and we end up being the pleaser and the 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 yes, the person who always you know says yes, and the person who always is you know the first one to volunteer. And, and well, again, some of those are great things. The achiever, I mean, it's how all of us overachievers it's because we figured out. I mean, look at my freaking resume. It's a joke. I figured out that if I just kept studying, I'd have more options. And that didn't get me closer to who I actually am, but it helped me to survive in, in the world that, you know, you can check boxes on. Okay.
0: Exactly. I can relate to that.
1: (laughs) Right, right. Exactly. You know, and so, you know, to bring this back to what actually happens in your brain, We have all of those, you know, wounds, misunderstandings, agreements, um, all of those stored in our, wherever, our body, our minds, wherever you believe that that's stored, but they're all there, which is why your triggers are completely different than mine, Mm -hmm. right? So you, you know, look no further than um, if my kid has a temper tantrum, it's going to bother me in a totally different way than it bothers you right? Because it brings up something totally different than what it brings up for you. You know, your mother-in-law, I'm sure, but for the sake of this argument, your mother-in-law would never bother me. You know, she would never make me feel like she's judging me. Whereas your mother-in-law might make you feel like you're not, you know, an adequate wife because you work so much. Who knows? So my point is, is that we are constantly reacting unconsciously to years and years and years and years and years of decisions that got locked away before we had the ability to integrate them. Uh And what happens and what we need to understand from the brain perspective is that whenever we, for whatever reason, feel threatened, feel scarcity, feel lack, feel not enough. And in all the different degrees of that, because there's so many that are you know, all types of addiction, including online shopping and, and, you know, eating or whatever, all of those, something has triggered us and we're not conscious of it most of the time, but our amygdala doesn't know the difference. And our amygdala goes into fight, flight, or freeze response. There's actually, for me, it was, really amazing when I understood the, the actual, there's four responses actually, but even just the third one a freeze, because what you can do then is you almost reverse engineer it. So when you're freezing and you're procrastinating and you're doing nothing, or you just don't, you're, you're you know riddled with indecision or you're up ruminating over 4,000 million things that you cannot control in that moment. What we try to do is we try to use our thinking brain to be like, well, that doesn't make sense. I mean, do I believe it? Do I really believe it? What would be true if it was, this wasn't true? What would it be this and that? And you can go through that whole process and you're like, but I still feel anxious and crazy right now. Mm-hmm. If you can understand that the reason is, is because your amygdala is firing. And when you are in that state, you are basically trying to tell a two-year-old that it's not the end of the world because they... Um, you know, my daughter the other day wanted to make a, a mouse trap for school and she wanted to hold it up with a pencil like this. And it was 9 9.30 at night and she was determined to hold up this big metal bowl with a pencil, throwing herself on the floor. It's not fair. I want to help. I, on and on and on. Like I wasn't going to be able to explain to her that there was no way that this pencil was going to be able to hold. You know, you're offline. And so understanding that, You then have a whole different set of tools. And those tools are more about using what we know about the brain. So in those moments, if your amygdala is flipping out, you need to activate a different part of your brain, maybe the language center of your brain, which is what I recommend. You can listen to what I'm saying, even if you don't believe it. And the next time you start to freak out, be like, "Mm, I'm going to try it. And you just start to be like, okay, I get it. Somebody... In there is flipping the fuck out. Okay, somebody in there is having a really hard time. I don't know what it is. I don't need to know what it is, but I do know that my ego, as well-intentioned as it is, is coming in, coming in, coming in to rescue me with the only mechanisms that it knows, which are maladaptive skills, and there are always some derivative fight, flight, or freeze. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's basically just emotions coming up from, I feel like from our childhood, from before that we could actually reason this Mm -hmm. and it's just automatic. Is that right? And Mm -hmm. so I want to just touch upon one last thing that really stood out to me is that what you said about being, paying attention to the aligned self you know, because you were saying like all of our brain is doing all this crazy stuff for us automatically, but how do we actually know the aligned self, which has been covered with all of these feelings and triggers and emotions and experiences? How can one really get in tune with that?
1: Yeah. So this was a huge motivation for me because it made me crazy when people would be like well when you know you know and just follow your gut and you know what does your heart tell you and uh,
0: yeah, all of... I feel like a lot of people are like, you know, this podcast is carry faith on purpose. And so many people are just struggling with, well, I don't know my purpose. And I've had all these great accomplishments throughout my life. And I'm midlife or towards the latter part of my life. And I still don't really know. But I feel like it's just that you don't, you know, it's uncovering it. And how do we tap into that?
1: Well, the first thing is to recognize that, of course, you have a hard time listening to that inner voice. Mm-hmm. Why? You've spent your entire life telling her to shut up.
0: Mm-hmm. That's so powerful.
1: And so the the fact that you have said, I mean, how many times a day? This is, you know, uh, for the awareness chapter, how many times a day do you say, oh, I really should do that. I should do this, you know, and it doesn't mean that you probably should, but every time we do that, we're basically perpetuating that dishonoring of our higher self, our our, our inner
0: power, right?
1: Yes. And so I, I think that this First step is to realize that you've been telling that part of you to shut up your entire life. So of course, they're not really up for Mm. chit-chatting. So it's starting with just honoring that. and, And every time you feel yourself going into reaction, know that something has been pushed down at some juncture, maybe now, maybe in the past, if you're aware of it now, fix it now. And if you're not just acknowledging that just taking that moment to really understand like, okay, something here is not right. I'm paying attention now. I've never paid attention, but I'm paying attention now. And you start to develop that muscle, you know, because we all try to go meditate and try to go do all these things to, you know, hear the voice. And some of us can do it. And some of us can't. I'm talking to the people that can't. You know, I'm talking to the people that have been haunted their whole life, trying to find a purpose, trying to find a mission, trying to connect better, trying to influence. And it all comes down to this feeling of why can't I just have this knowing or this path or this purpose? So those people, the first step is to really just realize that you need to give a a spotlight to that part of you that you never have. And then the second step is for you to start making the decisions. Mm -hmm. So when you are in a mode of massive panic or you're in a mode of uh, anxiety that you don't know where the heck it's coming from. We've been trained. We've been programmed. I feel anxious. I look outside. What, why am I anxious? Shoot, did I forget to bring my kids lunch today? Did I, um, is someone mad at me? Do I have an appointment on my calendar? Am I worthless? You know, is, is, did I forget someone's birth? You know, whatever it is, or is my anxiety just coming back after I thought I dealt with this after the last 40 years of therapy? You know, whatever it is, we look outside. I want to help people to look inside. And even when they don't see what's in there, because look inside, obviously you don't see anything or you would look inside more often, but just to realize that it's not on the outside, it's you, you know, there's something with you. And by taking that power and saying, okay, there's something going on with me. I don't know what it is, but I don't need my primitive defense mechanisms, my coping skills that I've learned by being very unconscious my entire life. I don't need them to help me. So there might be something terribly wrong right now, but my ego or my, you know, fight, flight, or freeze response or whatever you want to call it is not going to be the solution. That's
0: so so powerful. I think just having the conversation and you have so much wisdom and experience and knowledge in how we work as human beings, which we don't even really give thought to or awareness to like, there's so many different steps, but just recognizing those feelings are opportunities to learn to, to grow and to heal that anything that has been a pattern an automatic response. It's like, well, that's an opportunity to be like, okay, stop and just breathe through it. Like I love that you brought up that anxiety because myself, who has experienced anxiety my whole life, was like every time before I would leave the house, this is a perfect example, would be I would get super anxious to even leave my house. And uncovering where that came from was like eye opening. It was just because one day at three years old, I didn't want to leave the house and go to school because I had social anxiety once I got there. And my whole life was just on this like pattern to be anxious before I left the house. And once I was aware of that through, I did like this visualization technique. I was like, Oh my gosh, it's, it comes, but it's okay. It's just like this feeling and I don't have to give it weight. I can decide to feel a different way or even label it differently. Like I was excited instead of worried or anxious. That went in a whole different direction than I thought. <laughs> Selena, with your example,
1: but does that make sense? Yes, and I love that. And you know, And if you think about it, That three-year-old child figured out that as long as she was home, she was safe. And then she projected that out for years and years and years to come, which reinforced what she knew to be true. You know, so you were very lucky because you were able to access that. Extremely lucky, not lucky, gifted, amazing, amazing. Uh, evolved, what have you. You're amazing. I'm not taking away your credit, but like, that is incredible. I am not one of those people. I have no idea where my neuroses comes from and I've done the soul searching. I've done the meditation. I've done the therapy. And sometimes I do unpack it and it makes a lot of sense, but it doesn't necessarily change later how I act in a different situation.
0: So personally, if I may ask you a personal question,
1: have you, do you experience anxiety? Yeah, absolutely. Anxiety for me was the tipping point of when I took everything that I know and was like, no, 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 no. I need a freaking plan with how to deal with this in the moment." moment. I remember I was sitting right here and I had done all of this, I had, I knew every framework. I knew every, you know, meditation. I knew how to create my environment. I knew how to do blah, 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 blah. I was coaching people on it left and right. But when I would get a wave of anxiety, I was like, oh my gosh, here I am. I still have this. Mm -hmm. And then what do I do? You know, it wasn't even like I let it overtake me. I could still do that, but what I wanted was a game plan. Like I wanted an action plan for it's that result, right? I just wanted literally in that moment, a step one, step two, step three. I, you know, I wanted that. And, and remember a big part of my training was my own effort, my own need to fix it in my mind, fix, but to, help my daughter, help my family help my daughter who is very young. And when you have a child or multiple children that are, you know, causing this reaction in you all day long, you need a game plan. You need a plan that you can implement in that moment, or you're constantly, constantly going back to your primitive crap, which is why, you know, When we get really upset in our houses, we say the same thing that our mother said, the same thing that their mother said, the same thing that their mother said. That is the one through line that we all do the same in our parenting. When we're really, 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 really upset, we go straight into the most primitive way that we've learned, which is the most primitive way that has been passed on through generations. And so that was such a huge driver to me to be able to deconstruct all of these different all of the different things that were happening into a freaking step so that I wouldn't continue to pack it in. Because every time you go into ego, every time you reinforce a pattern, you make it that much more ingrained and that much more who you think you are. And you are kind of unpacking with one hand and with the other hand, you're like piling in at three times the speed.
0: Yeah. Exactly. I think that's why your work is so very important, because our reactions are just reinforcing that generational trends and patterns. So it's not even we need to break that. Not only our own patterns, but for generations to follow us. And so you've created the one, two, three step process, and that's what you work with people through, right? And how can people get a hold of you, work with you, if they want to dive into helping themselves? And I feel like when we help ourselves, we help our children and we help everyone else around us.
1: 100%. So I actually work. I do work with individuals, but I also am working with coaches to help them, who people that already have an impact or already changed in lives, help them with this kind of extra layer, both from the perspectives that we've spoken about tonight, today, this morning, whatever time it is, but also, uh, also. Having some of those solid ways that their clients can integrate the accountability and the the mindset hacks, if you will, so that they can actually get those lasting results. So, a lot of these different like step by steps that I do with people, uh, if you're if if other people's clients had those, then it would make it would pave way for all of the work that they've been doing and all of the, the frameworks that they know and all of the progress that they've made, because they wouldn't constantly be sabotaging themselves, if that makes sense. So it does. And that's really my own journey through, you know, the
0: self-development world, the traditional education world to where I am today. It's like, you can gather it all, but it has to be integrated and i feel like that's really an and implemented and held accountable because we can't just hold ourselves accountable if we are then we're going back to our inner child self
1: right until you learn how to how to activate that other part you know so that's why like accountability stuff there's always it always works for a certain period of time that's why people love to blast through courses and love to do weekend programs because they're held accountable because they can see their progress. So I really want to help people have those same drivers of progress and motivation and accountability, but more and more learn how to activate the part of themselves that is no longer available to them so that they're always knowing when they are when they are in that part of themselves and knowing exactly how to get back into that part of themselves when they're not so that they can then go implement the crap out of everything that they already know.
0: Well, that's where true, long-lasting, sustained change comes from, and so I believe, and I think you would agree, too. Um, To round this out, I always ask all my listeners one question, and the question for you is, what is your definition of happiness? Because I feel like now and now more and more people are really struggling with that because of all the things that are happening in the external world. But for yourself, because it is so individual, how do you define happiness?
1: I would say that happiness in the way that we all think of it is just a manifestation of the ego Mm.
0: because
1: it's so contingent on what is going on in your life. So you have things go well with your business or your family, you're happy. Things go poorly, you're not happy. I think that joy is something that I like to think about quite a bit. And again, it's what got me so deep into this work because I found that I was not happy for many, many days in a row and that I was You know, wasting my time being the mother of this two year old child. And there was nothing to be happy about. Everything was hard. You know, everything. Our house flooded. We were in and out of hospitals. We were, um, you know, you name it. There was, but what I was realizing is that there was this chunk of time that was accumulating. And I needed to find a way to enjoy, be present. Accept honor this moment, even if it meant me kicking vomit out of the the, the, the wood we were in. A, our house had flooded, so we were in this Airbnb. Or even put a, a story at two in the afternoon, she would projectile vomit, okay? So I would spend four hours a day in her crib with her, trying to get her to go to sleep, you know, nap time and at night. And it was a disaster. Anyways, and I, and I was basically, you know, I had a newborn that I barely saw unless I was feeding her. It was a million different things, but it was like one day after another. And so I just, you know, I figured, I just decided, like, I'm going to figure out a way to make this moment the moment and not keep wishing for another moment. And through that, you experience joy. So the goal is not to, you know, find happiness or to do things that make you happy. The goal is to find joy. And I don't mean joy like, you know, I'm not, you know, I mean, peace and, and purpose moment you're in. Yeah.
0: I think that in asking a lot of different um, people on the podcast, that that is a common theme is that joy is really just in the moment. And even if we choose to say that word, it's going to elevate us. <laughs> Right. Um, I feel like. So thank you. I'm joyful for spending this moment with you and happy for you to spread your message and all your wisdom. So I look forward to having you on again, perhaps
1: in the future. Anytime. I, you know, I always, always, always love talking to you and I get so much out of our discussions.
0: And I will leave all your contact information in the show notes. Any specific area that you like to connect with people the most?
1: Well, I have the most content on YouTube. Those are kind of my, my people are mostly on YouTube right now. And uh, I'm incredibly responsive. Feel free to reach out. And I am, I didn't mean to say I wasn't coaching individuals because I think anybody that has any influence or impact on anybody, once you know this stuff, you will, the, the ripple effect to your family, to your kids, to anybody that you touch is just, it's, it's so ingrained in you. It's, it's not even something that you learn to do and then apply. It's just a transformation that you then become and that influences, impacts, helps ra- raises everyone that you touch.
0: I agree, it's a way of being in the moment where true joy and happiness come from. Thanks for being on the show, Selena. Thank you you for listening and investing your time with me because I believe we are all here to learn, grow and evolve effortlessly into the future. If you enjoyed what was shared today, I encourage you to subscribe, rate, review and share because together we can do so much more. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at CarrieFaithOnPurpose to find out more opportunities to uncover your deepest why.